What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to the Window Canada Sports Betting Podcast. It's the Sunday special Circa Million Contest episode. First up, the Circa Survivor Selection for the Friends of the Podcast Entry. Then I unveil the five picks against the spread that we're using to chase after the big money in Circa Million. I'll highlight what the most popular picks are for everyone in the Circa Million and give my take on those. Then we take a quick look at how lines are moving this weekend and see if there's any value elsewhere in the markets. Plus the teaser bucket and the underdog money line parlay bucket. Time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell, and it's the Sunday Circa Contest special episode for week four of the NFL season. And we start with the friends of the podcast entry in Circa Survivor. We've survived the first three weeks, thanks to the Bills, Cardinals, and last week with the Colts. And in all cases, they were about as easy as you could want. No stress so far. More than half of the original 1,390 entries are gone already, as the Colts weren't as heavily selected as one would think last week. Never overthink your Survivor pick, folks. Week four, one of our favorites on the window, Chris Abbott from Cool Bet Canada, is tasked with getting us through to week number five. Chris Abbott, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm good, Matt. Thanks very much, man. And and I want to do this as a collaboration. I'll give you what I think to be the best pick, but I certainly don't want the weight of the entire team and <laughs> and the entire podcast world on my on my shoulders. But you just said the right thing. Don't overthink your survivor pick. The NFC West is maybe the toughest division in football, uh, at least one of them. And I think we got to go with the L.A. Rams this weekend against the woeful New York Giants, who have an expected win total of 4.4 right now, uh, second last behind their uh, roommates, the New York Jets. So my pick is the L.A. Rams. Uh, I think the Rams, uh, you know, looking at it a little closer, they got a little bit of a wake-up call. Uh, they, they slept through the first half in Buffalo last week. Uh, made it really, really close, and had a game get away from them that they probably should have had, if if we're being honest, uh, if they played a full 60 minutes. So I think uh, that sticks in their craw a little bit. I think the Giants are just done. Like, I think they're, they're – like, it's bad. They've got the injuries mounting. Daniel Jones is, is not making that step forward, but he doesn't have a whole lot around him either, like, uh, you know, similar to the Sam Darnold situation uh, with the Jets. But – uh, for me, it, it's the Rams right now. That That's going to be my play. Do you have a problem with that? <laughs> well, that's funny that you say that. And I love that you've gone right to it. And that's absolutely the play that I would make if it were just up to me. So I like that we're in lockstep there. Uh, this week, it's, you know, to me, it does really just become between L.A. and Baltimore. I generally lean in sort of non-COVID times to my general rule basically is never take a road team. So that would in theory disqualify Baltimore, though not much of a road you know, effort in that case, right? It's just a bus trip for them. Um, and then beyond that, you know, I sort of usually ask like for three teams and then kind of, you know, talk about all three, but I think it's really sort of a two horse race this week. And I think anybody doing anything other than that is really overthinking it as we said. And so when you look at ahead in the schedule, right, you do, you know, you can't necessarily plan ahead by picking every sort of team, but you do want to see, okay, where else am I going to use this team 
in their schedule. And like you said, for the Rams, the NFC West is so, you know, competitive this year that there isn't that sort of standard, well, they're going to beat up on their worst team in the division because I don't even know who the worst team in that division actually is. And so when it comes to Baltimore or L.A., it's funny because they actually have a later in the season week where you could use them both again. Baltimore's got a couple of them, though. So I do like that we'd be saving them for later in the season, potentially, or if sort of something pops up, right? Baltimore, Kansas City, those are teams that you can kind of use against anybody if, you know, injuries happen and maybe you have a different team planned for some other week. But again, I like using the Rams here. I think this is a great spot. You're bang on with the fact that they lost last week. That makes it even better. Uh, the fact that they're returning home, quote unquote, right? Relatively new stadium, of course. Um, you know, for the first time since week one, uh, I think this is a really great spot for the Rams. And uh, and like I said, I, you know, I don't think you have to overthink it because last week only half the people took the Colts. And my guess would have been like 90 to 95 percent. Well, yeah, I, you know, you can try and get cute with it, right? And yeah. I don't know that that's smart right now. Like we might, let's get to the end and take risks then. Um, you know, I like the 49ers this week, but with all the injuries that they have, like, yeah, they still look pretty good last week. And yeah, Philadelphia is not a good team. And for the 49ers are at home. So you can make that same NFC West uh, comparison, but I, I don't trust it at all. And yeah. I, you know, I, I like the Cowboys. I don't think, I don't think the Browns are beating a, a good a decent to good team on the road um again though don't trust it as much so there's a few like that you know the bucks i think the bucks are a great play this weekend but uh there's other places to use them during the year and you know we still don't exactly know and then the chris godwin leonard Fournette situation so honestly without overthinking a lot of times what looks to be uh the best pick is the best pick so i'm going with the rams and it sounds like you don't have a uh objection to that not a problem with it whatsoever right sometimes you just look at the money lines right and you've got like a minus 500 minus 600 minus 700 money line favorite here which of course means the underdog is plus 400 plus 500 is kind of depending on where you look and it's like if a if a plus 400 plus 500 money line team underdog beats us here i can live with that we'll be able to sleep pretty soundly if that's the case hopefully it doesn't come to that and hopefully we get to talk to you again in week six because you are up again so don't think that you're done here sir it's uh you may have to get right into the research right uh, pretty soon as uh, as things get more and more serious along the way thanks so much for this chris all right matt thanks so much uh go rams go rams indeed and sure enough, the Rams turn out to be the most popular pick, and by maybe more than I would have thought, just with the Ravens being big favorites as well. 464 contestants take the Rams. Only, you know, brackets only, 114 take Baltimore, and 96 other brave people pass up on either of the double-digit favorites going with various other teams. So kind of surprising from at least that standpoint. I thought it would be a relatively even split between the two, and I thought, you know, again, why would you bother going with anything other than those top two teams? Are people getting cute? 
that might be the case. We'll sort of see how well, A, that works out for them in the short term and how well that works out for us, obviously, in the long term. So thanks again to Chris for that. As for the Circa Million, five plays against the spread. As you know, lines get locked in on Thursday. So obviously can be a little bit different from, you know, this Sunday morning. We're 10-4-1. There are no longer anybody, uh, any entries undefeated in the contest as the top two teams are at 13-1-1. So a little bit off of the obviously first place pace, which is fine because, you know, the pace in this sort of thing obviously starts out high. When you have 3,000 plus entries, you're going to have some outlier entries that are, you know, 10 and 0, 13, 1 and 1, right? So as long as you can kind of stay in that two thirds, 65% range, you know, that's where you want to be. Obviously getting out to an early start like they are, that helps. But in the long run, they're going to come back. The winner is never 80%, you know, 75%, anything like that. You're probably going to win this thing in the high 60s so nothing to worry about necessarily with you know who's in the lead necessarily uh as for the five picks against the spread detroit plus four and a half miami plus six cleveland plus five baltimore minus 12 and a half and san francisco minus six and a half so a couple of changes from you know, where I was sort of feeling on Friday with regards to, you know, how I felt about individual games, right? Having gone over the injury report on Friday and seeing that it's not just Michael Thomas for the Saints, it's a handful of guys, Jared Cook, Marcus Lattimore, uh, you know, that's going to affect them sort of on a macro level on a, on a game that I already like Detroit in the first place, add into the injury element, you know, that obviously makes it even more attractive. That number has moved in the market down to three. So again, we're getting the quote unquote closing line value of plus four and a half. That being said, it's a pretty popular pick. A lot of the most popular picks, which we'll get to in a second here, are based on the line movement, right? Like if you can get an extra point here or there over the course of the 85 games that it takes to, you know, put in for this tur- for this tournament, for this contest, you know, that's going to work out in your favor a couple extra times, and that could mean significant money. Um, Miami plus six is just a play that I've had basically all week. Uh, I've grabbed Miami plus seven in sort of real life betting. At six, it's still good enough for me. The market has moved this down to five and a half, five. It's kind of teetered around there. Um, I think Miami's very much live to potentially win this game. Uh, same story with Cleveland. Talked about it all week. I think Cleveland's live to win this game at plus five. Uh, you know, that line's moved down to four. That's not exactly a huge move. That isn't the, you know, Atlanta-Dallas from a couple of weeks ago where it's gone, you know, from six and a half down to three. The, the, the move between five and four isn't all that exciting. It's just a game that I think will come down to the wire, that Cleveland will have a chance to win. I think getting, you know, three, four, five points is uh, is worth the play there. And it is one of the few, unfortunately, and I sort of talk about this every week, it's one of the few that is a sort of counter, you know, intuitive, a less popular type of a play, right? It's the it's the contrarian play relative to, you know, what people are taking in the contest. And so uh, I would love to be contrarian on all five picks. You know, I felt like Detroit, sure, we were getting some line value there. 
but that's you know kind of felt contrarian in that people don't love betting against the Saints. Uh, same thing with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Thought we were being a bit contrarian there, especially when the line, the contest line was six, and it you know being six and a half for much of the week. There isn't a ton of line value there necessarily, and for that to show up in the top five, which it did, uh, was a little bit annoying as well. And then finally Baltimore. Again, you so rarely see these big spread games on either side selected, right? Like last week, Jets and Colts was one of the least selected games across the board. And it wasn't favored on one side or the other by contest players. It was just flat out ignored. And I was hoping that was going to be the case with Baltimore, even with the fact that at minus 12 and a half, we're getting, you know, one and a half to two points of line value there. I thought that would still be just sort of too high for anybody to be of interest and sure enough, most popular pick in the entire board, Baltimore. So the top five picks are Baltimore minus 12 and a half, Detroit plus four and a half, which again, we both, we have, and you know, get frustrating that those were sort of the two most popular picks. And we kind of thought we were zigging a little bit in that situation. Tampa minus six and a half, a popular pick as well, potentially because that line has gone to seven, this is the most interesting one for me because I like the Chargers in that game. And so, you know, while it's not a contest play, it's certainly one that's going to feel like it when it comes to how many people are on Tampa Bay. Uh, fourth most popular pick, Miami. Again, surprised to see that. And then the fifth most popular pick is another one that I was surprised to see, and that's Buffalo minus three. Now, that number has moved up to sort of three and a half. And, you know, both, you know, you see sort of reports that both public and sharp money, everybody's coming in on Buffalo, which is usually a bad sign. Uh, I talked about this early in the week as sort of a last cut potential that, yeah, I just think we're, you know, as a group, we're underrating Buffalo across the board here. And I might be sort of, you know, eating that crow, so to speak, after the game today. But that's just sort of, you know, what I'm seeing right now with regards to that team. Uh, and then finally, San Francisco minus six and a half, not a popular pick uh, in the top five, but a sort of landslide, more than 66%. So there's another sort of five games here where more than 66% of the population in the contest has taken that side. And San Francisco is one of them. Uh, Atlanta on Monday, and you can sort of see why that is because of the seven and a half contest line. It's now down to seven, even six and a half in some spots. Uh, Arizona, minus three. We'll talk about that in a sec. Jacksonville is another one that people are really in, taking a, a great deal of. And uh, the Rams as well. So another big number favorite. And so the last thing I want to talk about with regards to the contest is the Kansas City and New England game. And so this is sort of the most interesting thing going on in the contest this week. 499 people took Kansas City at minus six and a half and 186 took New England at plus six and a half. So obviously, you know by now, the big news, Cam Newton uh, you know, out due to testing positive for COVID. And it looks like they're going to play that game as of right this second. It seems like it's happening on Monday. And so if you're a contest goer, if you've submitted your picks, as many have to do on Friday, you've missed this news entirely, which is of course why 186 people have New England because there's really no sense in taking New England if Cam Newton, if you know that Cam Newton is out, right? So the 499 that have picked Kansas City have either done so because of the, just because they like the line at minus six and a half on Friday, 
or there's a strategic element. If you have found out that Cam Newton has COVID, you know one of two things is going to happen. One, they cancel that game and everybody gets a half point in the contests. Number two, they play the game on Monday. It counts, but of course the Patriots will be without Cam Newton, which means the point spread will be considerably higher than minus six and a half. So in a way, I kind of regret not taking the shot at playing that game, knowing that sort of the worst case scenario is, well, I mean, the worst case scenario is obviously the Patriots win with, you know, Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham as the quarterback. But sort of the theoretical worst case scenario is you just get a push, you get a half point for that game. Whereas the best case scenario is, you you know, that game's getting played, the line is closer to 10, and, you know, you're getting all kinds of line value in that game being played. And of course, it needs to be played by the end of Monday, essentially, to count in the Circa Million Contest. So kind of a, a, a wild situation there. We'll sort of see what happens with the testing. But for all the world, it looks like that game is going to be played on Monday night. So that's pretty much the story with regards to the circus scene. After this quick break, we're going to talk about the Sunday board and things are lighting up like a Christmas tree. Quick break to tell you about our favorite Las Vegas proxy team, Maddie and Tony, over at footballcontest.com. They make the sign-up process so easy, and having used their service for almost 10 years now through the evolution of the contest scene, they are 100% reliable, true professionals. If you're enjoying this ride we're on with the Circa Million, and you want to try your hand at competing with some of the best NFL cappers in the world next year, go to footballcontest.com or check them out on Twitter at football contest contest signups will start back up pretty soon after the season so start planning your trip now tell them you came by the window all right before we get into the rundown of the board you guys want it you want the teaser bucket you want the money line parlay bucket let's start with the money line parlay bucket because i think there is some potential here this week Cleveland is in the money line parlay bucket. Chicago, with that line moving up to three and sort of teetering towards three and a half, has created some money line value at around plus 140 in that. And so we're throwing that in the money line bucket. Uh, Detroit, of course, has to go in the money line bucket at around plus 140. Miami, talked about it all week, think they're a live dog here at plus 200 or better. You know, a lot of spots you can get sort of plus 210, plus 215 right now. And then the Chargers is sort of the longer shot in this mix, the money maker, if you will. Uh, plus 275 is sort of the average right this second uh, with regards to the money line bucket. And of course, what we do is we take one unit and we split it up and we split it up into 11 different parts one part is all five put together the other part is parlays of three at a time a round robin five teamer that is chopped up in three different ways okay so if one loses you still can win with all the other four and if two lose then you know you can still essentially it ends up being usually around even money kind of depending on which ones are the three to win we had three win last week, and it ended up being, uh, what was it, about a unit and three quarters type of a thing, just for getting three out of the five correct. So the round robin, money line, parlay, bucket, Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, Miami, and the Chargers. As for the teaser bucket, a little bit trickier as lines are on the move here. I've got Detroit plus 
10. That has moved down to sort of a plus 9 situation, so sort of be a little wary of that. Cleveland plus 10. You could even get some plus 10 and a halfs, I believe, over at Pinnacle right now. Chargers plus 15 and a half at Pinnacle. I'm good with this all the way down to like 13. Ideally, you'd want 14 as this line moves up. Uh, and the Philly San Francisco matchup. Right now, this line is moving, right? We are at Philly plus nine and a half. So a teaser goes all the way up to 15 and a half. And I think that's decent uh, when it comes to this game. 16 points is going to be a lot for Nick Mullins and the San Francisco 49ers to win by. And then finally, Atlanta on Monday, plus 14 or better in the teaser bucket is good enough there. Uh, with that line dipping down a little bit, though, it can be a bit troublesome. So if you can't get any of those, I would say Chicago at plus eight and a half or better, which is still widely available, is the good replacement for any of those. Jacksonville as the second replacement at about plus seven and a half right now, uh, or, or better, of course. Um, as for the board, let's uh, run it down real quick. Things are moving awfully quickly. Uh, first one up is that Bears game that I talked about. I don't understand why what the fascination is with the Colts at this point, right? And I've talked about how I've liked the Colts at various points in the season. Obviously, a couple of weeks ago against Minnesota was sort of the key one there. But again, they've played Jacksonville, they've played Minnesota, and they've played the Jets. And now they go on the road to Chicago. And for whatever you think about Chicago, right, that's still a team that's getting things done. You don't have to deal with Trubisky in this situation. And for this line to sort of sit at two and a half all week, the contest line actually was two, and a lot of the times they will sort of adjust that contest line to sort of read the market and see where they think it's going to go on Sunday. Like, they were expecting at Circa this line to end up closer to two, closer to Pick'em, and it's gone the other way, which I think is incredibly surprising. And listen, I will be, you know, I've been wrong before. This has happened once. I think it was back in the 80s. Um, but... For me, Chicago plus three is a must play here. You can even seem to wake this thing out and maybe grab three and a half. I'm seeing right now at Pinnacle minus 117 juice for the three and a half. If you can get minus 115 and sort of wait this out as we get closer to one o'clock, I think that's the move that you have to make in that game. I don't really understand that move at all. Um, Saints and Lions talked about how this thing is dropping. It's dropped pretty steadily to now it's at a flat three. I still think that's good enough to play. Anything below that is probably too much. The most confusing line of the entire week at this point for me is the Cardinals and the Panthers. Cardinals at minus three, even at reduced juice right now. And so I go, okay, well, what's what's happened here? Now, I realize there's two safeties out for the Cardinals, and that's not ideal necessarily, but it's not like we're talking about a matchup against Aaron Rodgers here where, you know, you have to sort of be worried about the deep ball here with Teddy Bridgewater. So, listen, I get that. Uh, the, co the comparison for me, though, is, listen, Carolina's had one other home game. They were three-point underdogs. And it was against the Oakland Raiders. And so for me, I'm like, what's changed between then and now for Carolina? Well, I mean, they lost their star running back and they did a great job at replacing him for one game last week. And we always talk about, you know, betting on the team that lost their star player in that one game the very next time, right? Everybody amps it up for that next game. Cardinals, on the other hand, what's changed for them? Well, 
not a ton, right? There was some rumor about, you know, Hopkins not being able to play earlier in the week. He essentially went to Twitter and squashed that on Saturday, and the line hasn't moved. So that wasn't the indication there. That was, I guess, sharp money thinking that the Panthers are alive here. And of course they are. It's a three-point spread. I'm not saying it isn't. But I just think the Cardinals are better than Oakland is. The Panthers are worse than they were when they met Oakland, you know, three weeks ago. I just don't understand this line. I'll just put it that bluntly. Um, Jacksonville and Cincinnati. This one's sort of gotten away from us on this one. Uh, Jacksonville was plus three. I loved them at plus three this week. I'm like, why are is Cincinnati minus three? Uh, is this not the same situation sort of in reverse from Miami and Jacksonville on the previous Thursday? And of course, today, the money is flooding in on Jacksonville, pulled them off of three yesterday to two and a half. And now that two and a half is long gone. And we're looking at essentially plus minus one here, uh, plus one for Jacksonville, minus one for Cincinnati. So, you know, value's gone there. If you haven't bet that, like I said, you you know if you can get a teaser at plus seven and a half, that's a decent leg. For me, I'm probably just going to wait and live bet this because I think this is uh, you know first of all, if Cincinnati scores early, I don't think that means that they're definitely going to win or definitely going to cover. Uh, and so I'd come back on Jacksonville. And if Jacksonville scores early, I wouldn't be against coming back on Cincinnati plus the points there as well. Um, Cleveland and Dallas talked about this. We're down to three and a half now, right? We've got them at five in the contest, four and a half earlier this week, down to three and a half. So people are starting to kind of come around here on the chances of the Browns, uh, you know, keeping this close, or let's be honest, at a three and a half point spread, there's a very decent chance they win the game. Um, Second sort of most confusing line. It's not really all that confusing. It's just, it's a little bit scary. Houston minus three and a half, and it's sort of dipping closer and closer to three, right? It's plus money to get the three and a half. I should say to give the three and a half. And it's minus 119 right now at minus three for Houston. I just to think, you know, if you've been following along this week, you know that I think that this is a step down in weight class, which is good for Houston in facing Minnesota. Minnesota seems to get money every week, right at the last second, right? Like they took money against the Colts. They took money and in some cases, rightfully so against Tennessee, right? We were on that move last week. Um, And so, you know, the sharp money, so to speak, keeps thinking that Minnesota, I think, is better than they are. And I'm just not buying it. So I'm on Houston minus three and a half. And if I'm wrong, you know, that's sports betting. Seattle and Miami talked about this, right? The peak was seven this week. It's five and a half right now. Got them at six at the contest. That's fine by me. And I think Miami is going to be really interesting in this one. Chargers and Tampa Bay. You can get a heavily juiced Chargers at plus seven and a half right now at minus 114. I think that's a pretty good play. Uh, You know, Chargers a little bit banged up, right? But so are the Buccaneers. And of course, you know, people will reference, you know, Godwin and I suppose Fournette as if he's, you know, important in any way. But the Chargers, you know, are missing Bulaga on the offensive line and Mike Williams as, you know, wide receiver. Uh, but I just think this one is going to be a very competitive game. There's some weather issues potentially as well. You know how Florida gets at this point. It could be some sort of deluge type situation. Um, and if that keeps the score down, obviously that helps the Chargers kind of keep it close, right? We could be just looking at one of those types of games. So we'll see. You can't really bet on that. You can't bank on that. But we'll sort of see what happens there. Uh, Ravens and the Washington professional football team of sports. 
Uh, Ravens up to 14, even 14 and a half right now. So again, great line value on the 12 and a half earlier on this week. But at this point, you know, you can't bet minus 14 and expect to win, right? Like that's just not, not really an option. Um, so, you know, for me, like I said, I like Baltimore at that number. I, I think they kill them. Uh, but again, there's a difference between sort of contest play. There's a difference between 12 and a half and 14 and essentially needing to win by three scores versus two scores, right? It's the same difference that is between six and a half and seven and a half, right? The game lands on 14, a pretty high percentage of the time in a game between these two teams. So I think that's a stay away as it is right now. Um, you know, maybe Baltimore for some reason gets off to a slow start. I don't think that's going to be the case. I kind of think they're going to score a touchdown on their first drive and might even live bet that exact result just to see what kind of odds we can get there. But, you know, again, I, I obviously think Baltimore is going to crush them at 14 and especially at 14 and a half. It just ceases to be bettable. Maybe Washington has a field goal on their first drive or something that knocks this thing down a touch, and we can kind of go from there. Uh, Giants and Rams, speaking of big spreads, this one's kind of interesting because it hasn't quite got to 14 yet, right? Well, the Rams you know, are obviously coming off a loss the same way the Ravens are coming off a loss. So you're expecting really big things out of the Rams. Obviously, we have them in, you know, using them in Survivor, and that's obviously the most common thing in that pool. But again, we haven't hit 14 the way the Ravens have gone all the way from 12 and a half right to 14 and in sort of many cases through the 13. And so that would have me leaning to the Giants. Uh, you know, right now, if you sort of you wanted to quote unquote buy the 14, you can get it at minus 114 at Pinnacle right this second. I think that's a better play than betting the Rams at minus 13 and a half. I think the Giants end up keeping this thing at least within, you know, in the 10 point range more often than they, you know, lose by, you know, 14 to 17 type of a thing. Uh, Buffalo and the Raiders, again, everybody and their dog on Buffalo, which again, a little bit surprising because it seemed like people were surprised that the Bills were road favorites here. Uh, for me, I haven't bet that yet. I'm sort of taking a wait-and-see approach with that one. Um, I'd like this thing to maybe be competitive at halftime because I think the Bills pull away in the second half against the Raiders. Um, but again, if I can get minus three flat, which it might tick back down to if sort of quote-unquote sharp money comes in late and grabs the Raiders, I will happily do that. So keep an eye on that in the next hour and a half or so. Eagles and 49ers, Sunday nighter tonight has gone off the rails, right? Talked about how gra grabbed it at six earlier on this week and how the line move up to seven and then seven and a half indicated to me that Jimmy Garoppolo might be ready to go. Doesn't seem like that's the case, but this line is flying. Anyway, it's up to nine and a half, or really sort of nine if you sort of take off the juice factor, but nine, nine and a half here for San Francisco. And again, you know, six point tees gets that up to 14 and a half. I think that's the best way to play this game now that the six is long gone. And I talked about earlier in the week how, listen, if this was seven and a half with Nick Mullins in the mix, I might have to take Philly. But then Jason Peters goes out, right? So another, you know, offensive line injury for Philly. So now you've got defensive back injury issues, wide receiver, massive wide receiver injury issues, which at this point is going to happen every single week if you're relying on Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey to be healthy for you. 
And now you've got even more offensive line issues, right? So you've got cluster injuries in three different spots here against a San Francisco team that is getting a little bit healthier as, you know, Debo Samuel is expected to play and George Kittle is expected to play. So I think that's the indication and the impetus for this line sort of growing as it is. Uh, and then I've talked, you know, more than usual about the Monday Night Football game. This number's down to six and a half for Green Bay and Atlanta. So hopefully you grab the seven and a half because, again, fast forward to Monday's show, we're just going to be talking about how, you know, we wish we got seven and a half. And if you didn't, you know, it's probably a stay away at that point. That's the word on this Sunday morning. Best of luck out there today. Stay disciplined and let's make some money. Please pass the podcast on to other NFL fans and betters back on Monday to break it all down. Till then, I'll see you at the window.